Blog Talk Radio. It's March 5th, 2017. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living radio show where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown and David Fillion. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Having said that, we certainly hope everyone had a safe and enjoyable past week. Let's get to our announcements now. Uh, We have uh, announcement number one. A lot of them here tonight, by the way. Uh, Our UAW has extended its contract with Caterpillar and continues to negotiate past the strike deadline. We wish them the best of luck and and, uh, that they get a great agreement for the Caterpillar workers and members. Announcement number two, in other news about Caterpillar, law enforcement executed a search warrant for tax documents from their company. Stay tuned for more on that issue. Announcement three, Japanese auto parts maker Takata Corp is expected to plead guilty Monday to a criminal charge and agree to pay $1 billion penalty for concealing a deadly airbag inflator problem. Announcement number four, the Ford Explorer is the best-selling midsize SUV in the country with one million on the road, but hundreds of customers say the vehicles might be making them sick due to exhaust from the rear of the vehicle. There have been many accidents reported, one involving a Newport Beach, California police officer who has filed a lawsuit. Announcement number five, Susanna Martinez, the Republican governor of New Mexico, promised to sign House Bill 432, an anti-union right-to-work bill, if it reached her desk. Thanks to thousands of union members who packed a room on February 25th where the House Labor Labor and Economic Development Committee was meeting for a hearing on the issue. It never made it to Governor Martinez's desk. How about that? Kudos to our sisters and brothers who stood up and stopped this. And come next, next election, remember who is not on your side there in New Mexico. Announcement number six, the Labor Department on March 1st announced a proposal to push back the implementation of controversial retirement savings rule by 60 days until June 11th, giving officials more time to determine whether the rule should be revised or eliminated. This rule, this rule would make financial advisors uh, required to, to act in the interest of the retiree or retiree uh, worker whose savings plan that is instead of their own interest. Imagine, they'd have to actually do things in the interest of the investor rather than the financial advisor. Duh. (laughs) Announcement number seven, it's sad. 1,300 members have been laid off as General Motors continues to phase out a shift at Detroit Hamtramck assembly operations. Announcement eight, CEO of General Motors, Mary Barrow, 
has said that President Trump's border tax may be problematic. More on that later in the show by Brother David Fillion. Announcement number nine. This is really sad. 22,600 coal miners and their widows were mailed health care notice cutoffs as Congress fails to fulfill America's promise to them. Announcement number 10. The UAW Public Review Board case number 1760 was denied by the PRB, Public Review Board. This case is about where the minutes of the UAW International Executive Board may be reviewed. In this case, the denial means that the minutes must review be viewed in the opposing counsel's office an obvious hostile environment. It is hoped that the law professors who sit on the public review board are not actually teaching such legal policy to their young law students. Announcement number 11, there's nothing new from the Art Peterson appeal. That concludes our announcements. Uh, we had several emails uh, and uh, kind of boiled those down uh, that they were about uh, the uh, appearance of Local Union 9 President Todd Treaders uh, uh, being on the show. Uh, all were very congratulatory and contained their best wishes for him and his members, as does Working for a Living Caucus. Uh, this week's quote, given the coal miners' plight this week, it seems appropriate to quote one of our own. Here is this week's famous quote from Brother Leroy McKnight, made in 2006. Quote, right now we have an unprecedented attack on retirees, end quote. There, there's a link to that on the Working for a Living page for anybody to take a look at that if you choose. Uh, let's bring on our co-hosts here this evening. And how about we bring Jeff on first? Hi, Brother Jeff Brown. How are you? Good, Leroy. How are you, buddy? Pretty good. Pretty good. Been busy. You know, a lot of stuff going on, as you know. Uh, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I know you're busy, too. You've been you've been writing a fool here the last few days, too. All right. Uh, you, you, did you have a nice weekend so far? Yeah, so far. I mean, we're making some headway in some areas, so we're doing good. Okay. We'll hear more about from what you're working on uh, later in the show. I believe that's your report tonight. So let's bring on David. Yes. Hi, David. Yes. Hi, Dave. How you doing, David? Pretty good. Um I'm happy to report that I'm on the uptick. Um, seems like uh, this uh, bacterial infection is is going away. So pretty happy about that. I've been sick for two weeks. Yeah, so. yeah. you got to keep your sick friends away from you. <laughs> yeah, he's got something coming to him. Yeah. I won't talk about that on the show. Knowing, knowing you, I bet. <laughs> All right, fellas. Well, 
uh, how about Jeff? If you want to start with your report from your local union, why don't you go ahead and start about that, if you would? Yeah, I'm from Local 3000. I am one of the few people left at Local 3000 who is still around and started the union. Okay, at my plant. Um, on February 19th, we had a union meeting, and it was discussed at the times and dates of our elections. The flyer they put out said that the election will be held in April. Now, I went there, and it was a full house, standing room only. And as the proposal came out, I read part of the Constitution, Article 38, Section 2, where it states collections are to be held in the months of May or June. So I read that part of the Constitution to the audience. Um, our local president, who seems to be running rough shot on everybody, trying to intimidate people, told me he had a letter from the International. Well, I find that hard to believe, but apparently there must be. But we lost. We lost the vote. Um, Changed the dates. But I have some friends on the committee still who stood up and counted the hands um, yes or no. They're telling me they counted 57 votes against having the election in April and 52 in favor of having the elections in April. So there's a big discrepancy there. We don't think the vote was actually counted for the purpose of our local president. Meanwhile, during that week, I wrote an appeal to change the dates, stating Article 38, Section 2. I delivered it to the local. My president seen me there, and he walked out to my car. He informed me that he always crosses his keys and dots his eyes. He works for the membership 24-7. I've been around 29 years. I thought that was a bag of bullshit. Um, I told him, well, he said he had the letter. He didn't provide it at the meeting or at that time. And I said, well, if you have a letter, that's just one more name I'm going to add to my uh, charges against against you. Um, nobody has the right change the date, change the Constitution. I don't care if it's the International IDE or our local executive board. Now, the Constitution says the IDE may may change the dates, but think about it, folks. Because they can blatantly um, overrule what is written in our Constitution do you really think they're telling us the truth at all times? Hell no. They are not. 
they don't have, they should not have the power to override any language in that Constitution, any part of it. And I'm, I'm very sick of what I've seen happening in my local. I've been quiet in my place for a very long time for personal reasons. But this has me on, on a roll. Uh, there has now been a total of four appeals submitted to our local recording secretary on the same thing. They also wanted to have the vote only at the union hall instead of having the vote in my plant in the cafeteria like we have done for the last 28 years. Our financial secretary says, gave an answer that um, he, he said the last time we had an election at the Union Hall, only 18% turnout. Well, that was true. But it was only for two positions that really meant nothing on the executive board, the second VP and the sergeant of arms, I believe it was. Nobody really cared about it. But now people are mad that they can't vote in the plant and they're voicing their opinions to every rep in the plant. To my local 3,000 Flat Rock family members, it is not your rep's fault. you got to call the union hall or walk down and drive to the union hall and discuss it face-to-face with our president. He seems to be power-hungry and also looking for an appointment because... Constitutional Convention is coming up in a year, and he thinks he can get an appointment at that time. I am. I have been asked to run for a couple positions, like I've always had every election year, and I turn them down because that, what I want to change, I can't change at the plant level or the local level. What I want to change is what Leroy and I and David and I, we want to change things at the top, at the international, such as what they've done in supposedly overriding Article 38, Section 2, or any other language in the Constitution. And I'm mad as hell. I've been very vocal about it. I have had been spending a lot of nights on my forklift when I'm not unloading the trailer. Now, sending out mass text messages to my friends on what we need to do. Next Sunday is nominations. I'll be there. And we're going to raise some hell about that too. But local 3,000 people please, they are taking away your right to vote because if they have it at the union hall and you work the afternoon shift and while you're stopping off at the union hall, guess what's going to happen? You're going to see everybody from the day shift people at the union hall lining up to vote. So you're going to see a long line to vote and you're going to get discouraged and just say, hell, I'm going to work, not vote at all. And this is only to support the incumbents at the Union Hall. 
Now, he wastes a lot of lost time on a few people. One person hasn't even worked the floor in three years for no reason. And the sergeant of arms, he gets a lot of lost time because he's a big guy. He thinks he's, he's the uh, bodyguard for the second VP. I don't get intimidated that easily. Uh, I wish he would come and see me because I can tell him straight where to go without a problem. In fact, I wish he would come and see me because I've had enough of his crap. Our in-plant reps were in favor of the April election. But my district rep came out and see me and said, Spike, we realized we screwed up. We didn't honor our oath of office. But him admitting that to me without asking or saying anything, I said, yes, we did. My little took in the hard road and just really ripped his ass right there on the spot. But he admitted he made a mistake. So therefore, I was... I educated him on some other things that he did not know. It is very discouraging for some people. Some people are very mad. We have had some uh, caucus meetings. We're trying to try to set, get new people elected to run the show our four or five top positions at the local need to go. They've been too greedy, too power hungry. We don't work for them. The membership don't work for them. They work for the membership. And they seem to have forgotten that, just like Jimmy Settles. And Mr. Settles, I have a bone to pick with you. One of the reasons it says why the vote is being held early is because you want different people at the bargaining table that you favor, and hopefully you can get them to, to accept the plans or the company's contract issues, demands. And my chairman stands up to Jimmy Settles. And I'm very grateful for that because he is the only one that I know that has told Jimmy Settles to F off. And I respect that. So, Mr. Settles, you are in violation of the Constitution along with your other VPs and your so-called president. I'm putting you all on notice right now. I've had enough of your bullshit. I have reporters in my hip pocket, and I'll, I'll call a press conference sure as hell to explain that to people, what you guys are actually doing. This is not what my grandfathers fought for 80 years ago. And it pisses me off that we got to fight back for the same shit they did. So, Mr. Settles, the next time your nephew comes to me and asks me when I'm retiring, 
I want to tell him I'll retire after I fix Jimmy Settle's screw-ups at what he's done to our our board department, the yard UAW. That's the only thing that's driving me right now. I have no other life. I work, I come home, I research on the computer. I don't go out anywhere else. I research and I find things. And Mr. Settles, you are an insult to the membership. We don't work for you. You work for us, asshole. Get it straight. Understand where I'm coming from. You know where I work. You know where I live. Because you mail me mailings every once in a while. If you want to come and get me, bring it on, brother. Bring it on. I am afraid of nobody. I'm only five foot three. My body's in bad shape. But I'm telling you, bring it on. I'll be glad to meet you anywhere. We're going to settle this. And we're going to take over that international. It's working for a living caucus. And major changes are going to be happening. It's a damn shame that somebody at the international gets their son hired in a, a plant and within two weeks gets pulled up to the international. What kind of bullshit is that? That is, excuse my French, that is so damn screwed up, it's pathetic. As far as my local president and the VPs, you guys are going to lose your positions. I'm going to make damn sure of that. People in the plant know me. They know my reputation. They know what I have knowledge and what I can do. I have cost people in that plant elections over my 29 years. And I'm going to do it again. And I'm proud to be somebody who has that type of power because the people listen to me. They come up and ask me questions. I give them the straight answers. So beware. I'm putting all of you, my local officers, Mr. Settle and Mr. Williams, we're coming after you. And next convention, you will find out how badly you screwed up. People all over the country, in every plant, every company, every UAW member is very pissed off at how you treat the memberships and how cozy you are with the companies. We all know it. We ain't dumb. We know what the hell you're doing. So get it straight. I don't fear nobody. So, Brother Leroy, that's all I have. I'm, I'm just, I'm filing Article 31 charges on my president right now. I'm working on it for up, not with upholding the Constitution, as it says in the installation ceremonies. You would uphold or perform 
protect the Constitution. He failed to do that. And for all the people who in the Union Hall who voted along with our president, you guys better pick up a Constitution and a contract and read the damn thing because you made a huge freaking mistake. I don't forget things very easily at all. The minute the people hear my nickname, which is Spike, they know who I am. Because they've heard of what I've done over the years. And I'm coming after you. I saw my report, Leroy. Oh, oh, Jeff, it's uh, power used in the interest of the membership. That's uh, that's, uh, good stuff there. You, uh, I got a few questions for you. Um, yes, sir. Uh, the Article Thirty-Eight, Section Two, says that the uh, elections, triennial elections, shall be held in May or June. Is that not correct? That's correct, sir. Okay, and and, and they made a motion, sup- allowed it to be supported or they allowed a motion, they allowed it to be supported and voted on uh, dubiously in the affirmative uh, that said that they want to have the elections in April, correct? Exactly. Correct, sir. Correct. Okay, so that then uh, violates the Article 38, Section 2, correct? Correct. That's the rule of, of or law opinion. of the UAW. That's the constitutional law of the UAW. Now, yes. uh, we'll get more into that in a second. Uh, now, does the oath of office say that officers, when they take the oath of office, they're supposed to uphold the UAW constitution? And not so many actual words, but yes, you do have to uphold the I think it does uh, say rules of the constitution. Yeah, yeah, it does uh, say that. Yeah. Pretty and, sure, yeah, yeah, and and no, that Robert's no, Rules of no. Order uh, that you're you're under the Robert's Rules of Order, correct? Correct. Okay, and it doesn't it say that uh, any motion that violates the uh, laws of the United States or the Union or the organization itself uh, uh, makes that to be an illegal motion, correct? Correct. Okay. Did to this day has the president of your local presented you or anybody with a letter from the international executive board providing that your local union could have elections in April? No, he has not provided that information to anybody that I know of. Okay, and a lot of people you know of have been asking, correct? Yes. So it looks like we're violating Section 38.2, violated mm-hmm. Section 39, the oath of office, and violated Robert's Rules of Order. My goodness, yes, there's a whole stack of them there, Jeff. Yes. <laughs> whole stack of them. Uh, sounds like somebody's in trouble, I would say. Yeah. I I hope they yeah. listen to the show, this show because, you know, the anger that Jeff has He's expressing it, and he usually is pretty reserved. He really is. 
But we, in the membership, and in our team, in our leadership team, and in our caucus, are all just as angry deep inside as Jeff has expressed this evening. So those that think this is a game, those that think the team working for a living will not be successful at overturning the International Executive Board Ruther Caucus and any and all who come up from their roots to try and ascend to power and authority are sadly mistaken because we, as a team, by support of the membership, are going to ascend to leadership and we are going to change things like what we heard in the public review board in, in the announcements tonight. Who in the hell has to review documents to make your case and have to re review those in your opposing counsel's office in a hostile environment? My God, this is coming from professors of law school. Those are the three people that sit on the public review board. I can't possibly imagine that they're teaching their students, you should go over to your opposing counsel to review your records in front of them. Yet and still, we have them on our public review board saying that for whatever reason, and we all suspect we know the reasons. We're going to change that. We're going to change that. We're going to have a fair and just public review board. We're going to have a fair and just operations inside our organization. The things that Jeff has brought out this evening will not be occurring under team working for a living leadership. It just won't happen. It won't happen. There won't be international staff reps telling people, oh, well, you should just write the international president. International staff rep will be empowered to straighten it out. And if it does get does get to the attention of the International Executive Board, that staff member would be in trouble if he didn't fix it or she didn't fix it. It's going back to a real union where the staff members are empowered to fix things. They've been defanged, and that's going to change. That's going to change. They're going to be empowered the way they were when we were a real union. We'll get into a little more about what we think is wrong in my report. But, Jeff, you, that's a real nice report tonight. I know you're really exercised about all this, and I hope the, the listeners truly understand your anger and all of our anger at what's going on when they absolutely just violate the constitutional law of our organization, the UAW, and thumb their nose at us 
and you, the members of Local 3000, thinking that they're a totalitarian organization and they can do anything they want. That is wrong, and it will change. Totalitarian organizations and leadership always fall on their own sword, and that's about to happen. Yes, it is. So, David, do you have anything to ask or comment on Jeff's report? Um, well, I know that uh, Local 3000 is firmly um, working for 11 Caucus, and uh, sounds like uh, Jeff's president um, is going to be removed from office and stay in charges. Yes. So, sounds like he may be the first to fall. The warning for the rest. They think we're screwing around. No, we're not. Can't. Not a game. This is not a game. No. This is what the membership demands of us, all of us, and we're going to conform and comply every last one or face charges. Everybody. And to the International Executive Board, any time it's brought to your attention that an officer has violated the Constitution, it is your obligation to investigate, and if found guilty, remove them. Do your job. All right. Well, thank you, Jeff, for your report. David, uh, I know you've got a, a report here as well. If you care to go forward with that, thank you. Surely, right. Um, my report tonight revolves around profit sharing. Um, I guess we all knew that eventually the profit sharing scam would uh, come to roost in, mem- in members' laps. Um, I really didn't feel that it would come in the form of uh, a border tax. Uh, Recently, um, in the news, um, Mary Barra has been uh, meeting with Trump, I believe twice, uh, to talk about uh, trade issues and also fuel economy standards. Um, But uh, the main thing here um, is the uh, 20% border tax that um, Trump is proposing to place on products across the border. Uh, many of the parts that go into producing our vehicles cross the border multiple times before they are eventually assembled into completed vehicles. Every time they cross the border, 20% more. So that's very problematic. Um, about 20% of the company's highly profitable light trucks are built in Mexican factories. The workers there make a fraction of what United Auto Workers members are paid here at American plants. Um, GM is still currently moving more production to Mexico as it relocates assembly. 
of uh, certain spark utility vehicles. Um, with the threat to erect barriers for automobiles and goods imported to the U.S., um, Jim, they've, they've increased their exposure to Mexico dramatically after the North American Free Trade Agreement was enacted in the 90s. Today, GM ranks among the biggest producers there. Even a modest border tax under consideration would wipe out one quarter of GM's regional profits. It's a big number. Um, GM still struggles to make a profit um, outside of North America. Um, it does have a profitable operation in China, but that only pays a $2 billion dividend to GM's global operation, nearly a fraction of the profits banked in the home region. Um, Mexico's reliance reflects a border dependence on global sourcing at GM, which sells more cars overseas than it does at home. The company sold a record 10 million vehicles last year. China was the number one market, far surpassing the deliveries in the United States. These trends are increasingly shaping the, the products in American showrooms. Last year, for instance, the company increased its bet on emerging market sourcing and its struggling Buick dealerships that also sells cars built in Europe and South Korea. Many of GM's key suppliers include companies that once owned at one time. They've moved nearly all of their parts production out of the U.S. during the bankruptcy restructuring and other reorganization efforts. Currently, um, the beneficiaries of GM's big profits are 52,000 UAW members. Um, each one received an average of $12,000 in profit share for 16. It's a record haul for the auto assembly workers. That payout was based on total North American profitability, not just the money earned within the U.S. borders where they're employed. So, um, GM, um, with a 20% border tax on 400,000 pickups it produces there could represent a $3 billion annual penalty based on the number of GM that GM has provided. A company like Ford Motor Company could be far less effective. It relies on Mexico for small cars that sell at much lower prices and in much smaller quantities. Um, Ford has already scrapped plans to build a $1.6 billion plant in Mexico. And Marcione has uh, said that he envisions bringing much of the company's current Mexican truck production back to the U.S. So um, they're looking at this border tax, um, whether or not they want to say it's Trump or not. Um, they're looking at that tax. So, based on this year, um, 
the profit sharing paid out. Um, GM earned $9.43 billion. We back out that $3 billion in lost um, revenue from trucks. You're at $6.43 billion in actual profit after that loss. That would bring profit sharing down to $7,200 from the 12000 they got. And keep in mind, this was a boom year. They'll have to, they would have to have another boom year in order to get that $7,200. And we all know um, among us that currently... The auto boom is built on billions of dollars in consumer debt. Last I knew was uh, like $1 billion. So I know that figure is higher now. Um, these are 72-month notes. A lot of these vehicles, they're not worth the money that they were when they came off the dealer lots. And they're not selling for very much at auction. So there's losses there. Eventually, all of that comes home to roost. Another thing that's problematic with the profit sharing, not all of our members enjoy that. We have the red-headed stepchildren in the UAW, um, GM, CH workers, or temporary workers. None of them um, did any of this profit sharing. This profit sharing whether anybody likes it or not, is a sleight of hand. Um, GM moved away from paying COLA, and they didn't want to give base rate increases, because those are fixed costs. Profit sharing is residual income. doesn't come off the bottom line. So they prefer that. But in reality, the sleight of hand the profit-sharing money is being paid to the active workers. It's really the money that used to belong to the retirees in the form of inflation protection payments. That's going to change. They want to have a profit-sharing program? That's wonderful. It's a perk. They want to... Um, any monies should be going into their base rate. You want to pay them something? Put it in their check. Back to the labor ethos. Because this profit sharing has always been a scam. It's not something you can depend on. You currently have many of your plants laying off employees. Losing shifts. When retirees had good income coming in and still received benefit payments, um, increases in pension, and contact, contract to contract, retirees picked up that slack. They bought vehicles when times were down. Today our retirees decide between whether or not they buy their medications or food. They don't have money for vehicles. And then we have a portion of our employees can't afford to buy the damn product that they produce. And that's that. So 
Well, you're still getting these huge payouts that are reporting them into your PSP. They're probably coming to an end one way or another by downturn in the industry or by a border tax. So I have, Leroy. Do you want to add something to that or you and Jeff have at it? I agree, David. Um, bonuses are, are good, but really needs to be and to our weekly paychecks. Sort of it goes into our retirement funds. Um, I know the second tier people are wanting the bonuses because. They can't get any pension at this time. But we are going to change that. Well, so I, I agree totally with what you said. And then I also heard that one person told me that the taxes ate up all their bonus for some reason and their weekly paycheck. Why? I don't know. Um, so needs to be looked into. Anybody else had that same problem? They lost all their bonus to the tax, which really don't make sense. I've never, I've never liked the idea of taking the pensions away from the young workers. Um, no. The uh, 401k. I'm very frightened of the money that gets put in there. <laughs> we all know that in the 2009, those people that were heavily invested in their 401ks now are at the cash registers and party stores and gas stations across the country. Had planned to retire within the next few years. They'll never retire. Mm -hmm. They lost everything they had. Yeah. I had a um, second tier member who worked with me on a a, uh, forklift. A young man, very quiet man, very polite. He just went from union member to uh, a management position. Um, I guess I really can't blame him because he's only getting half the pay that we are. And he's got a family of four kids he's got to support. And that alone, I mean, a big pay raise for him. But I also warned him that he'll you all live to regret making that decision down the road because he does one thing wrong. He's going to be called everything by human being. He, like I say, is a very nice guy, very quiet, very polite. Um, I understand why he jumped the fence. Can't, can't support his family. 
um, second to pay. It's hard to do. It's hard for me to do it. First, you know, first tier pay. I'm by myself. But I wish the young man a lot of luck. And I hope he can survive upper management's tactics of strong-arming him and blaming him for everything that goes on in my area. But um, I wish the young man a lot of luck. Leroy around? Leroy? You're there? No. He didn't uh, send me any message or anything. Um, normally he'll send me a message and let me know if he's um, screening somebody yeah. in. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, I, what, what, I what don't have a message either. I'm, I'm here. Um, <laughs> I was okay. out screening somebody. Uh, just to. Uh, so that you know, we have a full switchboard this evening, and I hope that nobody's having any trouble. We did contact uh, Blog Talk Radio about that, and we think that that's all been uh, resolved. Uh, we hope nobody's having any more trouble. Uh, and I was just talking with someone uh, to make sure that they weren't having trouble. But we we do have a pretty full uh, uh, switchboard here. Um, the uh, uh, I did hear some of uh, what, you know, most of what you, you said before I had to go out and, and check on somebody that raised their hand. Uh, so uh, the uh, uh, thought is that, David, in your report, the fact that the border tax might be problematic to the point where if uh, a uh, full you know, complement of profit sharing be achieved again at $12,000 with a border tax on there, they would, even if they had a banner year, a boom year, they wouldn't get the 12000 uh, like they had this year. They would probably get 7200 given the same year that they just had. So That's just it appears as yeah, it it appears as though those that supported this president have cost themselves upwards of $4,800 a year by that vote. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Yeah, but profit sharing was never going to last forever anyway, right? The auto no. industry is cynical. Yeah, it is, it is cyclical. And, you know, we were in that downturn in, in uh, 08 and 09. We bottomed out in 09. And here we are, top of the, top of the trough again. Uh, who knows how far it's going to go straight up here. But, you know, those things that go straight up usually eventually go straight down. So uh, everybody should be aware of that. Everybody should be aware of it. So, um it's just something that uh, is uh, – uh, oh, I see what I, – I was looking at our time left. Uh, it's something that uh, we uh, uh, really need to be cognizant of. Everybody that's out there, 
really should watch their 401k. I heard some folks, uh, in, you know, one of some of our members, and half a dozen of them that I was speaking with here recently, they said, we like the 401k. It's portable. If we leave, we can take it with us. And unlike a regular pension, I said, yeah, yeah, it is. But it's also cyclical, too, and it's not guaranteed like a defined pension plan. So I'm not sure they understand that fully, these these younger people that have come up in a market and for the last uh, nearly eight years, almost eight years, the end of uh, March 6th, I guess that's today or tomorrow, March 6th of 2009, it's 2007, so that's eight years. Uh, when we bottomed out, eight years it's been going straight up with little correction, and they're, they've lived in this and watched their 401ks just grow, grow, grow during this time. Every penny they put in, it's just exponentially moved up. This, is, this isn't going to be forever. <laughs> this is a cyclical economy that we have, and there's been some things done, like quantitative easing that dumped some $6 trillion into the system that will cause a reversal of all of this at some point. And when it starts to go down, everybody's going to want to get out on the same day. And you're going to probably see some pretty bad news. So you really need to be careful with your finances and your 401k. Take a look at it. But uh, so, the you know, take a look at how you're voting, too. Really. Take a look at the long-term of what your vote is when you vote for somebody that might be against your best interest. Everybody wanted that wall. Oh, it's a great wall. Well, we've seen walls before. There's a great wall in China. There was a wall in Berlin. Thank God that one came down. And now we may be faced with another wall. And that wall will be economic and physical. And the physical will be paid by the economics of it. And it will come not only out of your profit sharing, but out of the pockets of the people buying those products. Because the companies are probably not going to shoulder that in a profit loss. They're going to make sure that pass that on to the people. And what's that mean? Brothers and sisters, that's called inflation for those of you that never gone through that like we did in the early 80s at 20% inflation we topped out at. 1977. 80, 82, I think we topped out. Yeah. 77, they were pouring money into Yeah. 77, they poured money into that. It was under Jimmy Carter. Poured money in, and they... they there's a thing out there called the Phillips curve, and people, you know, it's uh, the interest rates versus unemployment. And the economist convinced Jimmy Carter that he needed to pour money into the uh, uh, the marketplace, and that that was just really problematic. Uh, and in the end, it caused us uh, hyperinflation. Not something like we've seen in the Argentinas or the Brazils over the years, you know, where they're having 500 and 600 percent inflation every year. 
but we had 20%, and the interest rates got to 20%. It was pretty pretty bad. So we <laughs> we we hope we don't see it again, but chances are uh, there's a real uh, possibility that uh, this is going to come to an end. Uh, and people need to be aware. You know, we're cautioning you. We're cautioning you to listeners and you to members. Be careful at 21,000 Dow. Be careful. It's gone from 6,667 on March 6, 2009 to 21,000 without a big correction. And I'll let that speak for itself. <laughs> you know, uh, we've got a lot of things that have been done. So with having said that, uh, thank you for your report, David. I, you know, I just uh, a lot of stuff was covered in there. Uh, um, I really appreciate it. Jeff, Jeff, do you have anything else to add to David's report? No, no, David, no job. Thank you. Again, no, thanks no to all the, the the people in the switchboard. There's just a lot of you here, and we really appreciate you being here uh, and listening. Uh, it's very, very. Uh, uh, you know, heartwarming to see so many people here supporting this effort and this show. We really appreciate it. Um, I want to give my report. Where I'm going to be real brief because I know if everybody gets a little testy when we go along, and we got three minutes, so I'm going to be real quick. We've touched on. Do you have enough time on the clock? Yeah, yeah. That's why I was looking at it a minute ago when I was. But the hour was a minute, and we we got an hour and two minutes left. So, yeah, yeah. Thanks for reminding me. Uh, and and I don't know that we had that issue last week, but it could have been something that we uh, a button that we tweak tweaked, tweaked the wrong way. But uh, the, so that you know, the show might have got cut off after an hour and nine minutes last week. So, uh, having said that, let's get uh, let's get this going real quick. Um, Bernie Sanders and Danny Glover held a uh, rally in Canton, Mississippi this past couple of days, on Friday and Saturday. It's called Good Jobs Defenders. And our illustrious president uh, went uh, down there to speak. Now, we're, we, were th- we were talking about actually playing it, uh, what he had to say, but it's probably best that I just go go along here and tell you some of the high points and then respond to those. Uh, he said you could send, you know, if good jobs help you send your kids to college, having health care, having good health and safety, have good wages. He said there's 40% temporaries in the plant that's nearby at Nissan, and they don't work for the plant. They, many of them work for an outside company. Turns out I think that's... Uh, one of the temporary companies. I don't want to get into names. Um, and, uh, yeah, those are the uh, uh, the six items that he was talking about. So let's just address those. Uh, first of all, we want to say we support organizing of every last transnational. And we submit as a team, and we've discussed this, that shortly after we ascend to leadership, we know the things that bother the people in the South about our union, and we'll fix those. 
and we won't have to go down there and beg them or spend $60 million like they did at uh, Volkswagen trying to organize. They'll be lined up outside the gates at Solidarity House asking to join. There's just some things systemically wrong with our union. We will, when we ascend leadership, organize them. And that will be more wages and more dues so that perhaps after a while the dues can be returned to where they were traditionally after we get the the membership numbers back up and we get the wages back up to where they need to be. Let's just address his six real quick. Send your kids to college. Not on two-tier wages, President. Not on two-tiers wages. Having health care. Tier twos don't have health care in retirement. Health and safety. Thursday night, I spoke to a worker at one of our facilities that we represent, Tier one of the Detroit Three, Tier One. Uh, he's actually a Tier Two worker. He was a Tier One, and now he's a Tier Two. He's 38 years old, and because the ergonomics and the health and safety people around him didn't do their job, he now has to have a hip replacement. Yeah, health and safety. Good wages? Hmm. Kind of like kids sending your kids to college. Tier 2 can't do that. Guess what? There's plasma centers. And the Tier 2 are supplementing their income every three days by going to the plasma center and selling their plasma for 60 bucks. They get an extra 120 a week just to supplement their income. That's deplorable, Mr. President Dennis Williams, and all of you around him. You say 40% of the temp workers are temporary. Look at Chrysler numbers, real close to 40 now. The cap's been removed, was 20% at GM and Ford, and that's growing every day. And let's just see about workers who don't work for the primary corporation. Logistics workers at Lansing Grand River Assembly are not part of the General Motors Corporation. They don't participate in profit sharing or any such thing. They actually work for another company called GM Subsystems. It's my understanding. So the point is here, Brother President, I use that term real loosely, you got a lot of housekeeping to do with the people you represent before you start to organize more. They look to the north and see the same thing you just said about them. You won't organize a softball game until you fix any in-house issues. 
Get it? All right, real real quickly, I want to talk about something else that the uh, Vice President of General Motors Department said. They uh, touted the Women's March and Keystone Pipeline Resistance and the Dakota Pipeline Resistance, airport to- takeovers to protest Muslim and immigrant bans, and rallies uh, to uh, support the Affordable Care Act. All of these were organized against administrative policies that created these problems. Let, re- let me remind you, Vice President, and all of your colleagues, all of your colleagues in the Ruther Caucus and in leadership, just like I just outlined in President Dennis Williams' comments at that rally in Canton and Jackson, Mississippi. You are the problem, and there will be rallies, and there will be people elected, and there will be a constitution, and there will be a convention. At the constitutional convention, you aren't going to get elected because of what I just said that is supported by everybody around us. Having said that, that's my report. And I guess I got that in in about seven minutes. So, uh, anything, David, that you'd like to add? Um, no, Larry. Um, okay. Is there a reason why you decided not to play the clip? Yeah, yeah, there is. I don't want to really discuss it here, so. Okay. There's, there's a reason. Right. Yeah. It's you know it's just uh, you know it's something that I you know it's personal personal decision in my report that I figured it was probably best. Um, and it and it goes along the thread of one one of the things that you said earlier, David. Just so you know. Uh, okay. Jeff, do you have anything? Got it. No, I don't. Okay. I want to I add don't. one thing. Uh, in Walter Ruther's time, he had the foresight and the vision that's lacking in the Ruther Caucus today, I might add, to implement what's called annual improvement factor. And the annual improvement factor, he put in there at 2% every year. Everybody got it. 2% a year. And that was because automation and processes were going to get more productivity out of our uh, the facilities we work in. And he knew that, and he, he would get us paid for that. It's ironic that Ruther brought that to us, and the current Ruther caucus took it away. It took away annual improvement factor. Don't forget that, brothers and sisters, as you consider working for a living in the future. So having said that, I don't have anything else, uh, anything at all from Jeff to add to tonight's show. Anything you want to talk about? 
No, I think I've said enough now. Um, okay. Just, David, do you have anything else to add? No, sir. All right. I don't have anything else to add. I just added whatever I had thought came up in my mind about when I was thinking about you, David's report. Uh, having said that, let's say, uh, uh, you know, to our members that if you found value in this, uh, please uh, tell just one friend. Uh, you can follow us on Blog Talk Radio and get when we post a show, you'll get a reminder of shows coming up. Um, for ease of listening, you can listen on Blog Talk Radio, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, and Player FM. Our email is workingforliving at workingforliving.com. And let's shout out to all our friends around the world, all seven continents, uh, our friends in in the United States of Brook Park, Flat Rock, Tonawanda, Lordstown, Flint, Pontiac, Detroit, Bedford, Lansing, Toledo, Chicago, Kansas City, Fairfax, Kansas, uh, St. Louis, Wentzville, Arlington, Chattanooga, Dorville, Santa Cruz, California, and everyone else around the United States that we might have missed. Let's uh, shout out to our friends in Mexico that we hope to have higher wages for you soon at some point and to our friends in Canada who enjoy high wages. We need to work better with you. Having said that, have a good night, Jeff and David, and good night, listeners. Good night, everybody. Good night, Jeff. Good night, Leroy. Good night. Everybody, thanks for listening.